Christmas is here, which can only mean one thing. Movies that are supposed to make you feel festive, but only make you want to hide from family gatherings, brutalize people dressed as Santa, and plug your ears as you hear Carol of the Bells for the 40th time today. But can one sequel save Christmas? Find out, as we prove to you that Home Sweet Home Alone is not that bad. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this edition of It's Not That Bad, the podcast that looks for A, great, and B, movies. But for today, we are going to a plus movie. That's a Disney plus movie because we are talking Home Sweet Home Alone. And joining me on this festive special is my wife, Carrie. Carrie, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. Thanks for having me back. Now, this is going to be this movie. <laughs> this, is, this is going to be a very super special edition because later on, we are going to hear from our youngest because he, we asked him a few questions before we sat down to record this. And he chimed in with his answers. So we'll get to that a little bit later. But Carrie, when it came to actually doing Home Sweet Home Alone and our youngest said this might be a good movie, what were your thoughts? Okay, this one is extra special because... um, So the backstory is we um, sat down with every intention to watch Home Alone. The original, Macaulay Culkin. The OG. The OG... Uh, H.A., Home Alone, um, and flipping through the movie options, we stumbled upon this. Um, and and again, backstory is uh, I, I sat and watched it first with our two boys, and um, there was just something super special. Um, our youngest had this connection with this movie, and we felt robbed almost to find out that it was on the Rotten Tomatoes radar, or at least... Um, that it actually qualified for the show. That it's a qualifier, right? Um, okay, I'll get into it later, but, <laughs> spoiler, it's a great movie. <laughs> how? How are we even talking about this? We are talking because critics suck, is basically what it boils down to. But before we get into Home Sweet Home Alone, you know it's time. It is time to take this sequel of a classic and trailerize it. Poverty, isolation, brutal torture, all in the name of Christmas. Watch as a discount Harry Potter tries to break the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt in a sequel that answers the one question no one asked. Whatever happened to Buzz? Starring Ellie Kemper, Rob Delaney, and yes, Devin Rattray returns as Buzz in a movie rated PG where parents should be guided away. My God. <laughs> Who wrote that? Bill Murray from I, Scrooge? I was about to say, that that would very much be the Bill Murray trailer for Scrooge for, for A Christmas Story. I'm Poverty, frightened. isolation, brutal torture. <laughs> Your life might just depend on it. Yes, yes. Oh, but we're not talking Scrooge. We are talking Home Sweet Home Alone. And yes, as we mentioned in the trailer, it does star Ellie Kemper, Rob Delaney, Archie Yates in his second actual movie. Uh, the first was Jojo Rabbit. Ashling B, who um, 
is in there as well as as Max's mom with appearances by the aforementioned um, Devin Rattray reprising his role as Buzz, as well as Keenan Thompson and Chris Parnell. Now, he wasn't in there that much, but if he sounded familiar, that's because you probably recognized him as the voice of Cyril Figgis from Archer. Um, he's also one of the voices as well in Rick and Morty. So we got we we got Cyril Figgis in the show. Um, this is, and I was we mentioned that it's a sequel, and we know about Home Alone one, and we know about Home Alone two, but this is the sixth Home Alone film sixth we're getting close to nightmare on elm street levels here sixth with probably about as much violence what's frightening is that there are that many parents who forget their children you at realize home that's during gonna, the holidays that's gonna be like a cnn special report parents leaving their children at home all because of macaulay culkin but that's not what this one is about and brutal I'm sure torture we'll... <laughs> <laughs> it was we'll get there it was directed by dan mazer and i'm hoping that pronounces his, uh, his name right uh he's uh, known as the writer and director for the ali g show he was also the screenplay writer for borat and the Borat sequel. And he also directed Dirty Grandpa starring Robert De Niro and Zac Efron. So if if I were to tell you, hey, let's watch a Home Alone movie that's that's directed by the same guy who wrote the screenplay for Borat and Borat 2, um, how fast would you say, uh, no? <laughs> it's very nice. It's very nice. It's a nice Christmas movie. It's how we celebrate in Kazakhstan. We throw things at people. Yay! I can't believe I just went down that road. Uh, it's written by Mikey Day and Streeter Seidel. Uh, they have both in the past written for Saturday Night Live. Although it should be noted that um, neither of them promoted this film on their social media accounts. So I wonder if it's just one of those and paycheck, here you go, home sweet home alone. Um, now, we mentioned that this film does actually qualify judging by the tomato meter. That's because this film sits at a 16% tomato meter and a lower audience score of 12. Come on, people. Right? For once, the critics are more forgiving than the audience. Now, I want to put that into perspective, though, okay? The first Home Alone, the OG, the OG Macaulay Culkin, has only a 66% tomato meter, but an 80% audience score. That, that actually surprised me that Home Alone, the first one, is that low. Um, Home Alone 2, the Home Alone-ening, um, sits at a 35% tomato meter with a 61% audience score. Alone in New York. The ho- I prefer the Home Alone-ening. <laughs> home Alone 2, Home Alone Electric Boogaloo. Te- technically not home. No. Alone. No, I mean, I'm sure he was in someone's home. Uh, Home Alone 3 sits at a 29% tomato meter with a 27% audience score. So we're dropping down here. Home Alone's 4 and 5, or known as Home Alone the Holiday Heist, um, don't have an actual tomato meter. But as far as the audience score for those go, Home Alone 4 sits at a 24%. And Home Alone the Holiday Heist bounced back a little bit at 28%. So, if you take a look at the Home Alone cinematic universe, this is 
the lowest rated, lowest reviewed Home Alone of all the Alones at Home. Yes. We'll huh? go down that road. <laughs> Either way, people didn't like it. Um, we obviously can't talk about the box office because this was straight to and exclusive to Disney+. Plus. Um, so we can't really say if it was a money winner or loser. And of course, it came out not that long ago. So we can't really say if it's you know, won any Razzie Awards. But let's just put it out there right now. 16%. Okay, but what was the budget? Hard to say. Cause because I, this I, kid trashed his house. I, I mean, you have to, I think, factor at least one house into the budget of every Home Alone film. Because something's getting trashed. But 16%. Is it that bad? No, no, it's not. Um, and uh, again, I'm I'm shocked and dismayed because this of now. Okay, I have to admit, a I didn't know they were up to six. Um, I can't remember Home Alone three. Maybe I saw it. Maybe I didn't. I certainly didn't watch the Home Alone heist. The holiday heist. The, the, the holiday fifth one. heist. Um, but this one was rather enjoyable. We we are literally one movie away from Home Alone, Home Alone Takes Manhattan, <laughs> which coincidentally I think would have been Home Alone too. So we're already there. We're jumping the gun. Um, but let's get into the breakdown of, of who's in this. And we got to start with Ellie Kemper. Uh, most people remember her as the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Of course, she was also in The Office um, and a few other things. But your thoughts on Ellie Kemper? Oh, she's a she's a she's a doll. She is so great, and I tell you, girl, I felt that Lego scene. <laughs> I felt that to my core and at the bottom of my feet. I, yeah, Lego is a four-letter word, and when you step for on a reason, yes, that many, oh, like <laughs> that hurt. It hurt to watch. I, I don't know what was worse, though, if it was the Lego scene or in the OG H.A., like the the um, the scene where. Oh, where he, where he comes he to the window on the on, on the, the, the Christmas decorations. No, Well, yeah, that. And when he steps right on the nail, that part gets me every time. The, it's na- like, the nail you have to think. He probably didn't feel too much because if it's sharp enough, it's going to go in. And if you don't really notice it, it might it might pa- bypass all the nerves. I would think from from a just a you know death by a million cuts kind of thing. The the Christmas decorations when he steps on them come through the window probably hurt more than the nail would. But yes, landing on and then swimming through a sea of Lego. And that's one of the things that Ellie Kemper really brought to this was that, you know, I mean, we know her as fun, quirky comedy Kimmy Schmidt, but there's a lot of really good physical comedy in this. And she really brought that dynamic to this. Like, I, I was I was pleasantly surprised with just how good she pulled off the physical comedy. Oh, my God. Yeah. And you know what? She did it well. Um, she she carried out the stunts, um, the swimming pool. Like, how many times 
did this poor girl have to freeze, literally get frozen? Um, I, I will give her credit for pull, somehow pulling off the just French kiss the light socket look with the hair. Yeah. Um, and she, still kind of making it work. <laughs> she makes hypothermia look good too. <laughs> that, that's that's got to be something you put on like your, your, your like dating profile. You know, likes long walks, walks on the beach. Also... Looks really good, like she just kissed a, a, a light socket, and handles hypothermia very, very well. Swipe left, or is it swipe right? <laughs> I don't get, I don't know. Um, but I will say that the dynamic between her and Rob Delaney, uh, her husband in this film, Jeff. Uh, first of all, poor Jeff. Like just, just poor Jeff. It's poor like Jeff, Jeff. Jeff feels so picked on in this film. Like this was his idea. It, um, he brought this on. It was his idea, yes. But when when the movie starts, though, uh, for the record, spoilers. Spoilers like a mofo in this one. So um, if you haven't already figured out that we're just going to spoil things for the movie, um, well, what the hell are you doing listening? But the thing with with Jeff. But thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Five star likes everywhere. Um, (laughs) But the thing with Jeff is that he felt so. Jeff is having a hard go with things. He's lost his job. It's clear that he's lost a lot of his self-confidence. And it just seems like everything that's going on around him, he can't quite handle. And it leads everyone else who's kind of driving the bus on things to kind of push him away. And I felt so bad for Jeff. Like, Really? I look at it differently. Like, yes, he's a bit of a goof. Right. Oh. Yes, he's a bit of a, a of of a of a fumble fingers kind of thing. But the thing is, if you've lost your job, and the reason that you've lost your job is the reason why you have to sell your house, and you you like he's feeling a lot of weight, and it doesn't feel like anyone's really stepping up to kind of help lift his spirits. Right. Like he's just. He's, it's almost like he's self-sabotaged, right? And I did like the dynamic between Jeff and 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 Allie, uh, Pam, her character name, because she really does, she sees this as his chance to kind of help make things right in a way that he wants to be able to provide for his family. So at first she's like, oh, you know, it's, you know, it's whatever, it's just a doll, it's whatever. Then she gets on it. Then she she helps drive the bus. So there's a really good dynamic. Then as far as the physical comedy goes, if you're drawing parallels between this and the original, they're very much, you know, the Buscemi, um, not the Buscemi, the, 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 the Joe Pesci um, and the Daniel Stern of this film, whereas Ellie Kemper would definitely be the Joe Pesci because, you know, she seems to be the one with the master plan and, and willing to go all the way. And then Rob Delaney, I think, is very much the Daniel Stern in this, how, you know, there, there's just a, you know, I'm going to go along with this, but I'm not quite sure how to do it. And, and I'm not necessarily an idiot, but definitely not a, you know, not the sharpest tool in the toolbox, if you, if you catch my drift. I don't know, man. I see it completely different. Well, okay. Now, first so how, of all, How do you see Jeff, then? I'm curious now. Okay, so first of all, this whole thing was masterminded by Jeff. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was so convinced that this young boy stole his doll 
And he just wasn't thinking things through logically. Mm-hmm. He first, he led the charge on trying to break into this house. He um, Not necessarily got, break he, in. He, got, he, was, he was totally breaking he in. He was going to just use the key, put the code in. Yeah. Get back what was Was it his, his house? No. Yeah, that's but, breaking and entering. But in his mind, it was his doll inside. Uh, Stolen that, by a bratty little kid. That doesn't... No. Mm-hmm. That's not how things work. It's <laughs> still not his house. <laughs> it's still breaking so, and entering. So, okay. Which so, is still a bad idea. It's it's not the greatest idea, but it's definitely not let's destroy the house in all out war with some little, you know, Harry, you know, Harry Potter discount character. Hey, man. The kid was just defending his property (laughs) well maybe if he didn't you know take that soda (laughs) but he didn't take the doll he didn't take the doll but but the movie led you to believe that he took the doll and that was that was one of the weird things in that you know in previous home alones you know there's a clear-cut bad guy right you know in the first one you've got you know Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern, and in the second one, I think it's—is it still Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern? In the I, second, yeah, yeah, and then like I think in, in, in later ones, you've got like French Stewart and whoever else they could get to star in a Home Alone there sequel or whatever. There was also a female. There was a female. There, there, uh, there, were, there were female female burglar. uh, burglars there, but in every single situation, it was the kid in peril and you know fighting back against the people who were out to get him or break into his house. That. You know, but here you had a couple down and out seeing this as their only chance, this doll that, you know, and I would say rightfully so, Jeff, Jeff was not, not that he was, I mean, he was wrong. The kid didn't take the doll. But when you take a look at the situation and you replay the encounter in his mind, you know, you have to think that, you know, that would be his first thought. And if you're Jeff, that's probably your first thought. Is that, that that stupid little kid that made fun of me and called me Frankenstein or Frankenstein's monster, you know, like took my doll as an act of spiteful vengeance. Like their mindset and their rationale behind trying to get into the house to get the doll made sense. He's an adult. He should have like... Talk to the kid's parents. Talk to the kid. Like, okay. breaking and entering and stealing your doll back is never a good idea. Okay. Well, in, in his fairness, at first, he didn't know that the kids was in the house because not, he thought that everyone had already left. Not only that. Not only that. But I love the dynamic, the little shift, where the kid overhears that... He's going to. He's going to be sold himself. Them. Yeah, he's going to sell him to um, the sweet the old, old lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love that scene. I thought that was great. <laughs> Which you know is pretty horrifying, right? Well, well, if you're that age, the worst thing you could do is be put on display by a bunch of little old ladies, you know, feeding you like the worst candies ever. Yeah, and pulling out their 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 dentures, dressed up in a little man suit and everything. That's, yeah. Uh. That is the worst thing in 2021, having the pants <laughs> for people. <laughs> uh, I can think of no worse thing. But it, but it's true, though. Like, if you take a look at the couple situation, well, let me ask you, right? If you thought that no one was home and you knew where the key was and you knew the code and you reasonably thought, even though he was wrong, you reasonably thought that an item of yours was in that house and was worth two hundred thousand dollars. 
would you go into the house? No. Really? There are laws. I am in that house every day if that means me getting that doll back and getting the $200,000 so I can provide for my family. I... I'm I'm Team Jeff on this one here. I, I learned something today. My like, husband, the criminal. Well, I mean, the, f- the fact that I have pants on already <laughs> means that I'm ready to do anything at that point. So, yeah, oh. pa- pants are horrible. But no, seriously, like, at the end of the day, right, at the end of the other Home Alone movies, I'm assuming, because I, I did not watch Home Alone 4 and 5, you know, I don't even think I've seen 3, but, like, the bad guys lose, the kid wins. But I don't think Pam and Jeff are bad guys in this there was there was there was a fine line and i don't think they fully cross over into being the you know they're the antagonists yes but they're not the bad guys no and i love that about this movie and that was one thing that um after we watched it and there are some great belly laughs from this movie Mm -hmm. like um so after we watched it i kind of you know had a talk with uh with our little guys and and that was one thing that they pointed out is that in the end everybody was cool you know mm-hmm. um everything worked out in the end everything um there is a great know, story of forgiveness in this yes there, there really is and you know what there's a nice sense of community um how you know the very last scene is um, the two families enjoying a holiday dinner together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, every everything worked out in the end, and um, you it do, was just a nice, feel-good holiday movie at that point. And that's the thing. You do see these stories of, you know, people and families who are, through the strangest of circumstances brought together, whether it be for Thanksgiving and for Christmas, and then it becomes almost like a, an annual tradition of let's check in on, on the, the odd couple here and see if they're still, yep, they're still getting together. Like, there's one couple in the States um, where, you know, the some kid basically got a wrong text from a family, um, and they, they were guys that were trying to, you know, make plans with someone in their family for Thanksgiving, and you know, the guy got the wrong test. Like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. You know, your family sounds wonderful and all that, but you know that this is the wrong number. Terribly sorry, but happy Thanksgiving. And they invited this guy over to their house for Thanksgiving dinner, and that's been going on for years now. Like every year, they invite him back, and it's just such one of those random happenstance kind of things but it's a really feel-good story and yes i think at the end of the movie um you do have that feel-good story where you could see you know years down the road you know they were bonded together by you know missteps accidents and mistakes but yet everyone's together and you know you know bygones be bygones water under the bridge house got fixed you know like i love hearing that story mm-hmm. i still to this day wonder what ever happened to that poor lady that called our our line very much by mistake <laughs> crying yeah we we okay so we need a backstory of this one here so <laughs> we had this call like clearly a wrong number because it wasn't even in the language that we spoke and just leaving this sob story message on the phone and we're just like they sound so 
tragic. I don't know what the hell they're saying. Someone but done her wrong. And, and yeah, yeah, no. I still wonder if she's okay. <laughs> if, if you know the wrong number you call. How, how bad is that? If you know the wrong number you called, <laughs> we hope that you're okay. <laughs> we still think about you to this day. Yeah, we still don't know who the hell you are, but, you know, uh, we would invite you for Thanksgiving dinner. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. But okay, so let's move on to Archie Yates, the kid. Max. Discount Harry Potter. The total, okay, Come well, on, they man. made the joke in the film. <laughs> they, they, you know, they, they did the, the the wardrobe didn't really help him in this sense. But what were your thoughts on 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 Max? Okay, well, first of all, I mean, I loved um, the family dynamic that he, you know, had this huge family. And he was just struggling to find his place. Um, You know, again, the same storyline. The family is panicking the day before a trip. And, you know, bags are everywhere. And they're they're trying to pack up. And all he wants is a moment of peace and quiet. 
Mm-hmm. So um, the moral of Christmas, right? <laughs> so he he goes and uh, watches, you know, a, a, a Looney Tunes episode in um, the car. hiding out in the car in the garage. Which, of course, that's how he fell asleep and was forgotten the next day when the family left. So, um, you know what? I think, like, I just I feel for this kid. He clearly is just, you know struggling to kind of find his 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 own place in the world mm-hmm. and and I think that played into it a big part when um he feared that he was going to be sold for, for some reason <laughs> he had no idea why this couple is breaking into his house but he was damn certain but that at, he's going to protect at that it. age it would be an act of imagination so yes you could you could absolutely see it you know but first of all First of all, you know, and because this movie is a sequel to the original Home Alone films, there's there's no denying it. We've got Devin Rattray in there. Um, has no one ever, ever learned that large family vacations flying out on Christmas Eve is the dumbest idea ever because not only are you going to lose a a bag or two of luggage you're going to apparently lose one of your children along the way (laughs) you have to think that somewhere somewhere down the road some news station picked up on that story right especially like you know after the first one the wet bandits captured why was this kid home alone kind of thing like like there you know there's going to be some weird like you know, 60 minutes Anderson Cooper's type expose style story on this whole thing. Let's touch in 10 years later with the child who was left home alone and single-handedly captured the wet bandits. Like, I, I just have to question the parenting. Like, how invisible are these children to you if you can successfully get seated onto a plane mm-hmm. and at no point, like... And I understand that they had thrown out the ticket and, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe well, see, lost the passport along the made, way. But This one made sense a little bit more than the original one because they had actually said that the, you know, planes were stopped because of the bad weather. So the family had to be split up over two flights. And you could easily see how, you know someone might get left behind because there's one group on this flight and there's one group on this flight yep. and clearly things are so hectic that they're probably not going to check in with each other. And you're right. You're right. In that case, I can see it being more feasible than, I mean, the, Home Alone 1. Where <laughs> right? <laughs> like the, fam- the family wasn't that mid-flight. big in Home Alone 1. Well, okay, but they, I mean, they, they were running through the airport. But even at that, um, I mean, granted, they... they Count, they they did a head count. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just so much that they they counted one of the neighbor children. Um, and, and I have to say, there was a there was a parenting rule one hundred and one that every parent in every movie in this franchise, I'm sure, has made. Now, if your kids are quiet, something's gone wrong. Check on them, right? Check on the quiet that, ones. Like, like even if you go back to the first one, Catherine O'Hara's. You know, she's got the the. the laying back in the, the plane seat she's comfortable she's relaxed hasn't heard the kids fighting all flight but they were in first class what the hell are they doing they were they were in a completely different part of the airplane but what parent makes their kids 
fly coach. That's brilliant. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm not opposed to that idea. Hmm. <laughs> they, they serve champagne you, there. You do realize, though, <laughs> that our kids are going to listen to this and they're going to go, you're not leaving us out of first class. I'm kidding, boys. <laughs> Love you. She wa- your, your mom wants to leave you behind. I, I vouch for you the whole way. <laughs> Daddy loves you best. <laughs> but I, I do have they to say. They won't even notice us missing. They'll oh. be playing video games. Can you imagine if we left our boys home alone? They wouldn't move from the couch. I would be afraid that they wouldn't eat. Sorry, I'm just trying to picture all the quiet we would have. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Speaking of our kids, um, we mentioned that our youngest is a guest on the show. And we asked him earlier who his favorite character in the movie was. Let's let him tell you. All right, little man, it's time to ask you, in Home Sweet Home Alone, who was your favorite character? I gotta say um, Max. Why was Max your favorite character? Because he was kind of based off of Kevin and basically Kevin. Okay, and what did Max do that you really liked? Paintball. To the face. Paintball to the face. Well, it wasn't really a paint, though. It was, it was the... It was paintball. The, it was the pool ball yeah. in the paintball gun, which that had to hurt, right? Yep. <laughs> so there you go. Max, the overall winning choice of, of our youngest, who really did enjoy this film. And, you know, like, it, it's true. Like, Archie Yates, you know, the key to a good Home Alone film is... Find a cute kid who's going to pull off all the all the crazy fairly well, you know. Come off like someone who would be able to put together a plan like this. And Archie Yates did a very, very good job in this role. Like he was very, like he was a, a joy to watch in this. You also have to give credit to Ashling B, um, who played his mom, because you know the whole premise of of this is that the family, Max's family is recently moved over from the UK and this was kind of like their trip to kind of, you know, you know, celebrate Christmas because they they were kind of away from the rest of their family. So, you know, it, it made sense that they that they were traveling over the Christmas break, but it's funny, both her and Ellie Kemper almost like took the best parts of Catherine O'Hara from the first one and kind of separated and made two very equal parts uh, of the best parts of Catherine O'Hara. I, I thought she was great in this. I agree. I mean, she definitely, um, oh, she was so good, especially <laughs> especially at the end. Like, um, you know, she she wasn't, she wasn't mad. She wasn't bitter. She, um, you know, she was very kind and, and forgiving and um, very open to this family and and I think um, accepted that you know what people make mistakes mm-hmm. and uh, I think that's that's kind of how she saw this is that you know it was just um, a very desperate situation that caused this family to make the uh, the, the bad choices <laughs> that they did I, I do have to say that between her and Ellie Kemper um, there were a lot of you know, there were there were a lot of parental moments where you just sit there and as a parent, you kind of sit there and, you know, go, I feel that. I feel that every time. <laughs> you know what? I'm so glad you mentioned that because really, wasn't it incredibly heartwarming that moment that she gets home 
she finally gets home. Her house is trashed. Mm -hmm. Her entire, um, like, I mean, you, you just walk into the front foyer and her entire (laughs) home is just obliterated. But her main focus was to find her little guy. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, that was the parental win. That was the And I the will moment. say that the look on Max's face when he gets, you know, when he gets to see her, like there, there's, a, there's a great, almost genuine, um, like just response. And you could, you could see that almost a very honest response for a kid who's looking forward to see his mom. So, you know, kudos to Archie Yates on that one. But yeah, like there's just those, like even at the beginning when, you know, Max has got to go to the bathroom really bad and she's like... Okay, you're gonna to have to play along with me here. Pretend we're buying a house. Like that—that's something any reasonable parent would do. Because it's like if there's no bathrooms nearby. Yeah, and you see an open house sign. It's 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 quick thinking, and not overplayed. But then there's like the, you know, kids being a little bit of a brat. It's like all right, no McDonald's for you. And it's like I've said that before. Like <laughs> now, I just want clarification. Did Max actually steal a drink? From the house? Yeah. So the, he actually so, did. Yeah. So so the whole thing was he saw the case of orange soda, you know, and he's like, oh, can I have one of those? You know, and 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 Jeff's like, you know, that might be a question for your mom because there's a lot of sugar in these kind of thing. And then, you know, they, they points at the dolls and all that. And at that point, he, he gets a little, not snarky, but definitely a little bit kind of blunt kind of thing and Jeff being the fragile little flower that he is you know kind of took it the wrong way and and you could see like there's almost like a slight embarrassment in his mom at that point but you know at the same token as well she's trying to not be too apologetic because she still needs to be stern with Max and saying like it's not we don't call people Frankenstein's monster or whatever the case may be but yes his act of defiance was to steal the can of pop that he wanted he didn't care about the, the ugly you know bad product doll kind of thing because it was horrific to look at i will say that <laughs> yeah he, he just wanted the can of pop so and that's the thing too right and we'll get to the script a little bit later but i do have to point out that this is where i think the movie did a total bait and switch right because there was no reason why that doll should have been moved so it made you think that max took the doll but mm. yeah, but in hindsight as well, they had already moved down to the catch when he was looking up the thing. So you have to think that it was Ollie, you know, their their nephew that was that was visiting, and they arrived in the middle of the night, who somehow found the box of dolls and took it himself. Because well, he was also a tiny klepto because he was, oh, he was stealing total, that, total ornaments. Klepto. Yes, absolutely. Um. I mean, not he was he was a little guy. He, you know, tiny klepto, tiny klepto. <laughs> um, I'll take but, Ma- I'll take Max over tiny klepto any day. But you know what, Max really was no better. If he stole that pop, he stole. And he was going to take one of the toys from the from the church bazaar, right? Well, the fact that you know, can yeah. I can I get a shopping cart for this here? Like you know, a great line, but B, like <laughs> seriously, like. You know, and that was this is the funny thing. Like, let's take a look at those main four main characters, okay? Ellie Kemper, Rob Delaney, so like like Pam and Jeff, and then you got Max and his mom. You know, no one's a bad person. No one's a bad guy in this. There's no, you know, there, there's no one 
we mentioned this in the other Home Alone movies, you find yourself rooting for one one person, it's usually the kid, right? If you really take a look at at the situations and the scenarios that these people are in, they're all good people. So who do you root against? But to the same token as well, and we and I mentioned this when we were watching it the first time, is that at first I found it hard to really feel for Max in this. Like the first half of the movie, he's not the best kid. Aw. Again, I, I think he was just trying to find his way, but mm-hmm. you know, he did steal the pop. I, I just I don't think he deserved to have his his house broken into, and I think he was just defending mm-hmm. his property by completely trashing it. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> a little uh Bass awkwards there, but whatever. Defense through offense, yes. Um, (laughs) Wasn't the best thought out plan, but it was effective. According to you, neither was getting into the house and getting your $200,000 doll, so, you know. No, you know what? Again. um, Mistakes were made. (laughs) You know, everyone's just human and making their own mistakes. Um, But you're right that nobody is really a bad guy Nobody's no. really good or um, innocent in this. Um, and again, I like that human aspect that, yeah, you know what? We all make mistakes, um, but it's how you learn from mm-hmm. them or <laughs> how you overcome. Um, and I will overcome. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. It was good. We, we do have to talk, though, about the return of Devin Rattray to the Home Alone franchise as Buzz. Um, what were your thoughts on on where Buzz has ended up oh with life? God. <laughs> okay, I thought it was brilliant. Everything from the McAllister uh, security company, um, the little nods to, um, you know, alluding to Kevin McAllister, um... It, it was rumored that Macaulay Culkin was going to make a return mm-hmm. in this movie, and he didn't. Um, Spoiler alert. He, mm-hmm. Yeah, he did not. However, Buzz, Buzz is uh, the police officer mm-hmm. in this. And, you know, I, <laughs> it's, okay, the turnaround where he goes from, you know, serious cop to, oh, this, you know, lady's flirting with me, so uh, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to just just let her go, right? Um, like, like no, he no, no, stood that's a not, chance with it, her. <laughs> it's not realistic. It's not realistic. He, you know, for... Buzz was out of his league. <laughs> for Buzz, who, you know, had, had grown up with Kevin, knowing full well that it was indeed possible to leave a sibling or a child home alone, you would think he would take this a little bit more seriously, right? He has lived it. Mm -hmm. So um, for him to just, you know, oh, okay, this this lady's flirting with me and I'm going to get back in my police car. It's just a false alarm and not check out the house. Epic fail, Buzz. Okay, okay, but they but they did clear that up later when he's in the cop car, and um, you know they said you know we just got a call because this is when the parents of course called uh, from their trip 
uh, to, to France, I think it was. Um, was it France or Japan? It was one of the two. But, you know, and he explained this whole thing about, like, how Kevin every year tries to prank him about, because, he you know, Kevin knows he's a cop, right? Prank him with these, you know, there's a kid left home alone kind of things. And the fact that they mentioned that the, that the house, Max's house, is protected by McAllister Home Security. So, I mean, there there's there is some clever writing when it comes to Buzz and I think I think I almost like more that he's still a little pain in the ass because you know, let's be honest, Buzz was not a good kid, you know, in the in the first Home Alone movies. I wouldn't expect him even as a cop to make a full personality turnaround and be like, oh, I'm the good cop now. I'm here to... No, no, no. <laughs> no, Buzz is Buzz. Yeah. And I'm happier that they left Buzz as Buzz because, you know, that's what you want him to be. That's what you want him to be, and it makes sense that he's like that. So, and it was nice. It's nice that they have him back in there. It's nice that they actually have... They went a different route as far as tying it together to the original films. You know, you mentioned that people thought Macaulay Culkin was going to be in, and he wasn't. Even though he actually came out and said, "No, no, no, I know the rumors. I know like the, the what the you know what the word is out there." And no, I'm not in there. I'm not going to be in there. I'm not trying to you know gaslight you on this. It's not happening. And I wonder how much of those low audience scores as far as the you know the the reviews go i wonder how much of that is the fact that they you know in their heart of hearts they thought that macaulay culkin was going to come back but he wasn't there so they were disappointed that he wasn't kind of like how there were all those rumors that mr fantastic was going to show up or someone from the fantastic four was going to show up in wandavision and it's like yeah no didn't happen not gonna happen you don't get that not in this show. I just don't see how his, how, you know, Kevin McAllister would have played into this. No. I don't think it was necessary. And I think it was a great movie. I love that Buzz was mm-hmm. Buzz in it. Um, Buzz, but- I think, was the perfect way to tie this into the original movies. You didn't need Kevin McAllister. Yeah. No. No. Um, I got to talk about Keenan Thompson. The guy who played Gavin, the, uh, the the real estate agent, he's just a ton of fun in this. Like, just, but I like that his character wasn't in there all the time. It was almost like a perfect amount of his level of fun insanity um, and, and didn't overshadow everything else. Oh my God, you're right. I absolutely loved the scenes that he was in. Um, and especially... Again, spoiler alert. So he was the um, he was the real estate agent, and the couple's children were not to know that they were selling the house or that the parents had the house up for sale. So when when he flips the switch and then starts to act as a, a personal trainer, and then when he finds the couple at the church, or was it a church or was it a community? get together oh the um yes yeah <laughs> it, was, like, it was the church it, he's it, yeah right so he's clearly um you know a real estate agent he's trying to seal the deal trying to sell this house and yet, yet has to you know 
I don't know. Play along. He with has it. to play along. Yep. He has to put on this facade that he's somebody else. <laughs> that he, that he's different. a fitness instructor. Yep. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. But <laughs> personal trainer, um, you know, and what personal trainer visits you in church? Mm-hmm. But but like even that opening scene where they're trying to sell the house, and you know, Jeff is saying like the the, the absolute worst things to say to prospective house buyers of your house, like, oh yeah, the the school just got brand new metal detectors. Like Jeff, what are you doing? <laughs> That's where I, you know, what I completely felt that he was he was arrogant. And he was Ooh, Jeff? kind of cocky. Yeah, I no, I didn't, I didn't really feel all that much for him in the beginning. And the thing was, he didn't want to leave the house. He didn't want to sell their family home. And it's probably one of the things where, as you mentioned a little bit later on in the film, it's like this kind of got real, you know. And so I wonder if that was more a subconscious way of him trying to dissuade people from buying or putting an offer on the house because then it would become very real and this was just his way of maybe delaying the inevitable. Yeah, I don't know. I still... I mean, he certainly wasn't my favorite character. No. 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 But I don't think you... It's almost like you needed someone who needed as much help as Jeff to be beside Pam because, you know, Pam drives the bus. Pam drives the bus in that relationship. And, you know, but she's still bringing Jeff along. You know, that just shows, you know, the, a good, strong marriage. Um, as far as small roles, though, I, I do have to say, and I have a, I have a, I got a beef with this film. I got, I got a hardcore beef with this film. Where's the beef? Where's the beef? <laughs> this film was a sad waste of a perfect opportunity for more Chris Parnell. I needed to hear that voice more. I loved Chris Parnell um, as Cyril Figgis. I love him in Rick and Morty. We needed more Chris Parnell. And that's the thing. You had these small little, not necessarily cameos, but just small bit parts where Chris Parnell is there. And then, and for the life of me, I can't remember the the name of the guy who was the conductor of the, um, the, 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 the the bells the like that guy right and for the life of me I can't remember his name right now but the, the fact is you had all these good little parts played by very good actors and you wanted maybe more of them but I think it's hard to say because if you put more of them in it it takes away from the story of the core four but to the same token as well their parts are so good you almost want more of it it's it's a weird dynamic where you can see it on one side being perfectly balanced, but another side being uh, just a true waste of a gem of Chris Parnell. Let's get to the directing of this here because, you know, there's a quote from the original director of Home Alone and Home Alone 2, uh, Chris Columbus. And uh, he he said this while promoting the Christmas Chronicles Part 2. By the way, another phenomenal series of Christmas films, The Christmas Chronicles. If you have not seen it, go watch them on Netflix. Absolute Gems and Kurt Russell is the perfect Santa Claus. Um, but here's the quote. It says, Nobody got in touch with me about it. And this is about um, uh, the reboot there. And it's a waste of time as far as I'm concerned. What's the point? I'm a firm believer that you don't remake films that have had the longevity of Home Alone, which... Also, just to interject, Home Alone was made in 1990. So if we're talking, you know, 30 years is a longevity. 
Um, I'm getting old, but I will say you're not going to uh, create lightning in a bottle again. It's just not going to happen. So why do it? It's like doing a paint by numbers version of a Disney animated film, a live action version of that. What's the point? It's been done. Do your own thing. Even if you fail miserably, at least you have come up with something original. Now, harsh? (laughs) Okay. First of all, there is nothing original in Hollywood. No, there isn't. So get over yourself, (laughs) Mr. Columbus. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Okay. We're on the sixth Home Alone so and, and admittedly yes but i mean but this one was different this one and that's the thing there is a, a, a some originality to this one here it is this is not a paint by numbers you know and you have to give them credit for that i will say some of the other home alone films were a bit more paint by numbers and maybe that's where some of the the vitriol comes from but there is some truth into what he says but then again there's also you know maybe there's some jadedness to it because okay first first things first let's talk about one of the points he made out right do a remake of a disney classic but do it live action and in some cases it works really well we saw that with the jungle book right what they did with the jungle book is phenomenal right it was it brought to life arguably a classic like among the best classics of disney's heyday uh during during like that time span you know and to be able to bring it to life like they did like mad mad kudos to them for that um but then you saw what happened with mulan and now i don't know if mulan is necessarily all you know their fault because of course the pandemic really really uh did a number on box offices and Mulan was one of those films that you know kind of got streamed right away but but if the movie can be brought to life why not bring it to life now admittedly you're not going to do every Disney plus film you know uh just bring it to life or even every musical looking at you cats Cats should not have been brought to life. But I think there's some movies that could benefit from that. Yeah, but did they not make an animated series of Home Alone? Oh, I'm sure Home Alone has been milked to... to Milked a cow dry on that one. You know, you know, Kung Pao Enter the Fist style, milked a cow dry. But, you know, <laughs> it, it's hard to say. But I, I do understand, you know wanting to get away from you know to quote Antoine from Free Guy IPs and sequels right <laughs> solution solution right yeah you, you, you know you don't want the Albuquerque boiled turkey no but <laughs> I love that character but, but even that like if Free Guy at least itself it's not an original idea right yes it's an original setting but it's still it's it's basically the Truman show so, I mean, you're right. You you are absolutely right. Just mark this day down on the calendar. Re- re- replay this section over and over and over again. My wife was right. It's certainly on repeat on my iPod. She's, she's very right. You are the rightest of rights in this case. In that there is nothing original in Hollywood. But I also... I can also see his side, though, in that if you keep 
flogging the dead horse, does it have a negative effect on the original? Yeah, okay, but was this not supposed to be considered like a reboot? Mm. Not so much. And yes, cue Jay and Silent Bob. Snoochie <laughs> <laughs> boochies! In, you know, the, the, the definition of reboot versus sequel. And that was actually... Um, but, but it can be a reboot because Buzz has gotten older. It, it's definitely... It's a different story in the same timeline in the Home Aloneiverse. Oh. The fact that I just said Home Aloneiverse, I'm, I'm starting to get weird Doctor Strange vibes here. <laughs> okay, uh, but let's let's take a look at the director, at Dan Mazur. I think this film was a lot of fun. I think it was well-paced, it was well-timed, the physical comedy was well-directed, but I think even more so, there were these moments when the action slowed down and you had these character development moments that were allowed to breathe and were allowed to really... And it, I think it was the scene in the church where he's looking, where Max is looking at the toys, and he has that little talk with with Jeff and Pam's son, you know. And you start to see that Max isn't necessarily the bad kid that you know the script made us think that he was in the beginning of the film, and you know you start to feel for the little guy. And that's those kind of moments, you know, in a movie that's built on physical comedy and you know the physical comedy is coming and you wait for it, you know, they didn't just, you know, skip all character development and get to the the, the flogging and the maiming. They allowed the characters to develop. They allowed us to feel why Jeff really wanted to get that doll back, why, you know, why Pam, you know, didn't want necessarily to sell the house, but she felt they had no choice. But she saw how much it meant to Jeff, so she was all for it. You know, you saw how much Max's mom really wanted to get back, um, regardless of. I I think she was just ready to hop on a plane and get a break from you know the crazy family, of which was her husband like stuck in the bathroom or something like that in 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 the hotel. It's hard to tell, but and then you felt for Max realizing again that moment when he's like, you know, maybe I, maybe I didn't want to be alone maybe I didn't want to be left behind kind of thing like they left these moments in there that really brought out the characters and you know you have to give them credit for that in making sure that the the people aren't lost in in the slapstick I completely agree this movie had a lot of heart and it's nice I mean first of all I think the physical comedy in this movie was actually better than in the original. Um, it was just, it was so much funnier, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and yeah, yeah the, lead, <laughs> the lead up where, you know, they have to jump over this wall and then they realize, oh, but the gate was open, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> in the meantime, <laughs> they've already landed in the middle of the doghouse, I think. <laughs> anyway. Oh, the dollhouse. Was it a doll? It, no, was, a, it was a giant, like, like, Back door or backyard doghouse. That was, dog house. That it was had not. To that be. was. That was a doghouse. That is one pampered ass dog. Why would they have a giant dollhouse? Giant dollhouse that big. That was a doghouse. Come on. Anyway, and <laughs> and you know what I love too is <laughs> the scene where it's like, 
oh, we're at the wrong house. Right. <laughs> like, that could have been totally And the fact that they totally were actually bad. in the house, no one's paying attention. It's like, just walk slowly backwards out of the house like nothing ever happened. Like, like again, like there, there were these great comedic timings in the directing, not just in the acting, but in the directing. Um, especially the fact that, you know, even the, the the montage scene of getting the house ready, which you know is the you know the signature of the Home Alone films, I think that was done very very well. I also really love the nod to Scarface. Oh God! Oh yes. my God! Where the kid, <laughs> the kid is trying on all these different outfits, and then he finally gets this like tuxedo suit that he's <laughs> he's sitting at the desk with. What was it? Um, I was like, were they gumballs or I think it was like Smarties or Skittles or something Smarties, like that. But he yeah, had like all the candy and oh yeah, straight straight up oh. Al Pacinoing all over the place. Like you you know the sugar come down from that. Love it. Oh that I mean that 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 alone would have taken me to about Boxing Day. I think I just would have lied in bed and went ugh ugh ugh. <laughs> <laughs> True story. True story. That would happen to me. I've seen it in reality. I can't believe people are listening to this and going, <laughs> what is he doing to make those noises right now? I am so sorry. Dear listeners, I am so sorry. But, and that's the thing too, and this this kind of goes hand in hand with the script writing, is that when you plot out, you know, a, uh, a series of unfortunate events in all of that, um, it takes a, a good combination between director and script writer. And I think they, 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 plotted it real well but before we get into our thoughts on the the path of destruction that was led in you know in the final scene you know we have to go back to our youngest so we asked him what his favorite part was what the 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 best trap laid by max okay so we know what you liked about max but what was your favorite part of the movie when the person tried getting the doll which he didn't have he had the VR headset and hit the wall. Mm-hmm. And what were some of the the more fun things that Max did to the to uh, to the parents? Made him a cake. Oh, the donut. No, the cake. Sugar. Milk. Oh, turned him into the cake yeah. with all the things that he threw at him on the stairs. That again, that had to hurt, right? The sugar right here. So clearly, our youngest likes you know people suffering on camera. Um, can't say I blame him. This is the kind of film for that. But for you, right? Just the sequencing of all of that, like the the, the house of horrors that every Home Alone film kind of turns into. You know, how did that play to you in comparison to say the first Home Alone? Well, again, I had mentioned it that the torture of this poor couple, poor. They were breaking into the kid's house. It was self-defense. Well, after getting I'm that $200,000 doll, though, they aren't poor anymore. I'm I'm with Max on this. But anyway, <laughs> um, the, the, Team Jeff. The, the physical humor started from outside of the house. Mm-hmm. The, um, the icing you know, of the, the driveway. The, yeah. yeah. I mean, that was classic, right? That was like OG Home Alone. <laughs> but the falling in the pool, um, the constant, you know, spurts of water that honestly like hypothermia <laughs> would have set in for sure but Poor uh, Kemper. yeah I know <laughs> um but oh my god I don't think it gets better than the, 
<laughs> the flying pool ball to the head. Oh. I mean, that was far better, far superior to the the iron to the face from Home Alone. Full, um, full disclaimer, my wife, Carrie, does love good slapstick humor. Love the physical <laughs> humor. Oh, my God. And this movie had it. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I, I think there was far more collateral damage in this movie than Quite there possibly. was in, in the first one, for I, sure. I'm sure there are YouTube channels and podcasts alike that are going through these movies and totaling the life years lost as a result of the, um, you know, the, the trauma inflicted upon people in these, you know, various houses of horror. I mean, this kid, like, cut the banisters. Like, yeah. the... No, no, just, just one, though. Just, just one. one strategically placed thing and but it was just enough yeah there, there, there's a lot there's there he is a part of the 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 uh he trashed the 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 shelf mm-hmm. the shelf that crashed down and everything that was on it the chandelier i mean to total up the damages caused mm-hmm. <laughs> in the making of this movie <laughs> is uh I, I can only hope that our kids don't get any crazy ideas may, from this. may have been more than a potential box office run yeah, <laughs> but I will say, and in comparison to the first Home Alone, as opposed to this Home Alone, is that at least with the first Home Alone, the placement of the booby traps. Um, oh, for the record, dis, uh, discount Amazon Siri there. Um, you know, the parental controls do not allow us to search the term booby. That was <laughs> well played. Um, <laughs> But but the placement of the booby traps in the first Home Alone made sense. Kevin was clearly targeting egress points into the house. There was clearly some strategic thinking from Kevin McAllister. But I felt in this one, while there were some that you sit there and say, okay, well, that makes sense. You know, like ice the, ice the driveway, that makes sense. The icicles if you end up in the in the in the 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 alley that made sense but there were a lot that just seemed very either random or very very specific to the point of clearly he's pulled the doctor strange and witnessed 17 million permutations of how this is going to play out and this is the one way it, it actually works um but yeah like it just felt the traps were more thought out and made more sense in the first Home Alone than this one, but the carnage is still is is still the same. You're looking at me like I've given way too much thought to where I would put <laughs> booby traps in the house in case we ever get robbed. And yes, I have. I have a blueprint. I will Kevin McAllister this house. Fantastic. <laughs> Remind me to never forget my keys. <laughs> Try to break in in the middle of the night. Yeah. Yeah, but, but the driveway is iced. Sorry. <laughs> F- fl- flames will hit your toque you as you enter the house. You were just being lazy and, and no, not no. getting the, uh, don't, don't the a- salt. Don't ask where the lighter and the hairspray can are. <laughs> you do not want to know. <laughs> okay, so, but there, there was so much more to this. Like, there's some things that you wanted a Home Alone movie that you got in this, and it made sense, right? The soundtrack was very reminiscent of the original right it felt like a home alone movie like it really did it felt right in the and we joke around about it but it's there it felt right in the home alone averse but it boils down to a big question and before i ask you this question we asked our youngest which movie he liked better 
this one or the original? So now I have to ask you. Yes. Did you like this one or did you like the first Home Alone better? I kind of liked Home Sweet Home Alone better. Why is that? Because there was more action to it instead of just one weapon and use. Mm-hmm. Like an air shotgun. But Max had all out. He had a Nerf gun with Nerf bullets that had pins in them. And he also had a paintball gun with those little things that you pinball with. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So now, here's the big question. Mm-hmm. Is Home Sweet Home Alone that bad? No. No? I thought it was very, very good, but all the other people thought it was bad, but us family thought it was good. Love it. That's awesome. So now I have to ask you, which one did you prefer? The original OGHA Home Alone with Kevin McAllister or Home Sweet Home Alone? I have to admit, I've done my homework and I watched both back to back and I so much more preferred Home Sweet Home Alone because of the heart because of the storytelling because of the little nods Mm -hmm. to the original Home Alone um, I like the turnabout the the connection at the end where you know the two families were able to to move past (laughs) this one really 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 bad christmas that one, they, they one, had. one series of very unfortunate events one, exactly um and i i really enjoyed i i enjoyed the story so much more i thought you know what this is a great christmas movie and it was so enjoyable to watch with our boys it, there are so many belly laughs mm-hmm. like if you haven't seen this movie because, well, it's the sixth Home Alone and we're all done with it. That's why we skipped four and five. Right. Um, give this one a watch. It it really is worth it. I will say, you know, and, you know, as, as much as I, you know, we talked earlier about, you know, right off the bat not liking Max so much and whatnot. I will say that I liked the idea that the motivation for breaking into the house was based on, on a very compassionate side of things was there were no bad guys there were this wasn't you know a kid in peril right this wasn't a kid potentially you know fighting for their lives kind of thing this was two people looking for a win looking for a w and doing what they thought they needed to do and here's a kid with a misconception of why these people were in the house so he was doing what he did and at the end of the day good people prevailed and they got out of the house of horrors and everything was fine you know are there parts that yes i preferred the home the original yes but it doesn't make this any less of a film and i think it's a good continuation the very good continuation of the home alone movies and you would not be wrong in going straight from Home Alone 1 and Home Alone 2 straight to Home Sweet Home Alone. Um, but that boils down to two questions. Now, now that we've talked about everything, 
right? And we know the tomato meter, 16%, audience score 12%. What is this movie to you? Oh my God, I would definitely put it in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, again, was it... Was I mean, it a perfect this is, movie? No. This is the sixth Home Alone, and mm-hmm. I think that just in that... And as you had mentioned earlier, that it completely skipped the box office. Mm-hmm. So it went straight to Disney+. Plus. Um, I, I don't even think it was really well advertised. I mean, we again, we found it much by by chance. I mean, and it I'm was, really it was out there, obviously, but it's one of those things where it wasn't as promoted heavily as some of the other Disney Plus products. And I think this movie, I think, alone... Um, really has to make you start to question, you know, just because it didn't go to the box office doesn't make it... That that was always the thing, right? You take a look at a movie and go, oh, it's straight to DVD, right? It's not good enough to to hit the theaters straight to DVD, right? Hello, Asylum Films. You know, like, not worthy of a cinema run. Okay, but it was also released in 2021 where... There wasn't the option. No, there was there was the last the two years of but, going to the movie. But the fact is, though, it was made specifically to premiere on a streaming service, right? And but that and that's my point in that before, if it didn't have a theater run, then it was basically a straight to DVD, and that kind of told you everything you needed to know about the movie. Even though there are some films that did go straight to DVD that are still very good movies they just didn't get a theater run some of the best movies out there oh i got we're, we're and trust me we're going to do some some shows on those movies down the road i guarantee you but if a movie is designed straight for a streaming release and that's the intention of it and it's not because it was a bad movie or didn't have that kind of studio backing well this has a studio backing that studio is disney it put it on its Disney Plus streaming service as a premiere. It felt that strongly about it. And that's and that's what we're saying here is that just because it doesn't have a box office doesn't make it a bad movie. And while I don't think this is superior to the original movie, I definitely think it's in the high 50s to low 60s. It's a good family movie. And I think people just kind of went into this with this, you know, don't poop on my classic kind of attitude and that's why it got such a low rating also the expectation of macaulay culkin and no macaulay culkin i can can kind of see that so now it's come to the point who is your mvp of home suit home alone well we never spoke about aunt may or ali mackie really i loved her you know what i i loved um so to, to put this into context, um, so aunt and uncle came to stay with Pam and Jeff. In the middle of the night. In the middle of the night, mind you. Um, they came to stay, brought their whole family to stay for the holidays. Um, this is also a time where the house is for sale. Mm-hmm. And um, like again, it had to happen because that's when Jeff lost his doll, um, thanks to... Uh, the, the tiny klepto. Tiny klepto. <laughs> tiny klepto, their Ollie. Kid. Their kid. Their kid, Ollie. Um, but you know what? I think that she... So clearly, you have to understand that she's, you know, the 
Ugg Prada wearing. Um, yeah, Je- Jeff's brother and his wife are very clearly very rich and not afraid to spend that kind of money. And you know, clearly he treats her very very well. But yes, she she is a lot of fun in this. Right in a time, especially when um, you know Jeff was down on his luck. Um, you know they they do they show up with you know boxes and bags of gifts and presents and smart watches for everybody. Yeah, exactly um but you know what i i really liked her i thought you know what she was the perfect offset i think for this struggling couple um she was a lot of fun and uh you know she's like she's like the aunt that comes in and and saves the day just, and just buys fun the and beautiful kind dress of thing, yeah yeah i i will say that I liked the fact that she, that they didn't play her off as, you know, stuck up snotty rich bitch, right? Like she was, she was fun, she was kind, she was caring, she was family oriented, little goofy, little silly, and that's okay. I liked her singing. Mm-hmm. They didn't play her off as spoiled. They didn't play her off as rich and knows it. She was fun and the. Again, there's no bad people in this film. There really isn't, you know, and that's and that's a good thing. That is a good thing. Would would you want out of a Christmas movie? She's not my MVP though. Who is my MVP? Has to be Ellie Kemper. I loved how she really took on the physical comedy. I love the fact that she would go from complete crazed woman on a mission to all of a sudden caring mom who sees a kid who just needs someone to look after them kind of thing like she was able to switch those emotions on a dime and I think she really I think more so she's kind of like the heart of the film because she helps keep Jeff together she's by his side even though you know he's you know, he's really feeling his his work situation. You know, there's there's a lot that's that that's good about her, even when she is, you know, suffering clearly third degree burns and mortal Lego wounds, and you know, so much bad happens to her, so much bad. But still, it's it's good. Like like again, the some of the best parts of Catherine O'Hara and Joe Pesci. From that, from that first Home Alone movie, all rolled up into Ellie Kemper. That can only be a good thing, and that, and that's who my MVP is. Uh, Carrie, thank you so much for this, for uh, for you know sitting through Home Sweet Home Alone a few times. By the way, I will. Oh, I will it was say. an absolute pleasure each and every time we watched it. And a big shout out to our youngest for making his podcast debut. He's been asking us to to be on a show and you know what i'm so thank you for listening to us and to him as well awesome Uh, job buddy (laughs) this is the it's not that bad podcast now you know the deal if there is a movie that you think is unfairly maligned or you think is just bad enough that there's no way in heck i had to say heck because little guys watch they're listening (laughs) no way in heck that we can find anything bad to say about it Hit us up on Twitter, at NotThatBadCast. Put it out there, we'll watch it, we will dissect it, and we'll find the good things to say about it. Until next time, I'm Jason. Thank you, Carrie. We'll catch you next time. Take care.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 